millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. The New Statesman. Hi, I'm Anoush, and on today's episode of the New Statesman podcast, I speak to Dale Vince, the green industrialist and founder of Ecotricity, a renewable energy company in the UK. His book, Manifesto, How a Maverick Entrepreneur Took on British Energy and Won, came out in 2020, charting his journey after leaving school aged 15 and becoming a new age traveller into the weird world that is Britain's energy market. Thanks so much for joining us, Dale. Now, really, it's a really good time to have you on because actually the world of energy can't be extricated from politics, really, can it? And and you've just been at both of the major parties, political party conferences. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you talk about the, the weird world of the energy industry there in your intro. I think it's never been weirder. Yeah. It's never been more front and central in our lives as well as in our politics. It's affecting everything. And so it's it, in some ways a great time to be the uh, boss of an energy company with a quarter of a century of background in energy markets and renewable energy, it's given me a great platform to talk about what it is that we need to do. And the contrast between the two conferences on that front couldn't be more stark. You had Keir Starmer on the one hand, announcing plans for public ownership of all the renewable energy that we need to build next, about 50% of our needs. And you have the conservatives not even mentioning energy or climate or net zero. Oh, yes. that It was a notable omission, wasn't it, in the main speeches at that conference. I did want to ask you what you made of both of the party's major energy policies. So first of all, should we start with that great British energy announcement by Keir Starmer? Mm. What do you make of his plan for a clean energy? I think it's an energy producer rather than an energy supplier, isn't it? I believe that it is. And that makes the most sense. I think it's a sensible plan. And we've been calling for a long time for there to be public ownership of the renewable energy assets that we need to build next, because in some way or another, we will help to fund them. And it's only right that the public owns them and has the benefit from them long-term, rather than some foreign companies, which we seem to fall over ourselves to attract foreign investment. I never understand it as if they're doing us a favor by coming here to uh, you know, buy our essential infrastructure. <laughs> I, I don't think that makes sense. And what so about- yeah, I like the plan. Yeah. And what about Liz Truss's response to the energy crisis? Because the only thing we've really heard that's a big intervention is this price freeze on the on the unit price of energy. Obviously, it was mm. an announcement that was mm. a major spending commitment, but it got overshadowed by the death of the Queen. And I think they've never really managed to own that intervention since then. Mm. Well, I think they might be happy not to own it because the price <laughs> tag is going to be colossal. 
I, right. I put it between 150 and 200 billion by the next election, which is just incredible, crazy sum of money. So there is a connection really between what Labour have announced and what the Tories have so far done, this massive intervention to subsidise energy bills. But there's also a connection between their tax plans. The plan that really tanked the pound and, and gave us so many problems in international markets just last week, the big part of that, the cause of trouble, was to borrow £45 billion to give unfunded tax breaks, essentially, to the people in our country that are, are better off and that need it the least. For the same £45 billion, we could actually build all of the renewable energy we need to get to 100%, and it could be publicly owned. So it's like Kia's plan, funded by the Tories' tax giveaway, which is actually unfunded because it's borrowed money. And for me, it just kind of it just shouts out that how badly it is that we need to join the dots up in his first budget, uh, Kwasi Kwarteng announced $400 billion of, of new borrowing with a colossal sum of money, probably unprecedented outside of wartime. For one quarter of that, $100 billion, we could do the job in electricity and the job in gas. We could be 100% powered by renewable energy that we make here, that we price here. We can drive our bills down back to where they used to be and, and lower, but do it permanently and without huge subsidies. We could create three quarters of a million jobs some real economic activity that's taxable, we could grow our economy actually rather than hope for a trickle-down effect from tax cuts. And instead, we're hearing about trying to lift the fracking ban and also North Sea oil. I mean, what do you make of those responses to our energy crisis? They make no sense. Right? If anybody in government understands anything about the current energy crisis we have, they'll know it's caused by our reliance on fossil fuels and that they will know also that half of our gas currently comes from our North Sea, but it hasn't saved us a single penny because we allow global markets to set the price for that. So it makes no sense to say more drilling in the North Sea and fracking can help us with energy security and price because it can't do either. And also, there's only five years of frack gas under our feet anyway, according to the experts. It'll take 10 years to get up and running as an industry for five years worth of gas. What is the point? We know that we need to transition to clean energy anyway to avoid the climate crisis. It's actually the fastest, cheapest way that we can make energy now. It's faster and cheaper than North Sea or fracked gas. Every pound and every hour we spend now pursuing fossil fuels is just wasted. Mm. And I'd love to get your thought on why you think that they're ignoring solutions like the one that you've just very articulately outlined there. I mean, Boris Johnson, for all his flaws in his leadership, did have a different approach to energy and climate change than his successor. I wonder if you could reflect a little bit on that. I mean, you were just at Conservative Party conference speaking to people in the party, presumably. It seems to me that Boris Johnson um, was, a, was a good frontman for the Tories, but I don't think he did anything. He did say the right things about net zero and all that kind of stuff, often before jumping on a private jet to go somewhere. <laughs> but if you look at policy-wise what he did while, while in government, he didn't do anything. And he sat on his hands all of this year until, until he had to leave on the energy crisis. He did nothing. The one thing you could say for Liz Truss is that within days of being in power, she did something. And that something had to be done because mm -hmm. so many people couldn't afford energy bills this winter. It just could have been done in a better way. It was untargeted, so it'll cost twice as much as it has to, and it was unfunded. It's going to be through borrowing when it could have been funded by the windfall tax. So you've got a difference between, I think, a prime minister that talked a good game but did nothing uh, and the new one that, that's coming in with some, some pretty hard right ideology, actually, in terms of small state, free market, tax cutting, way to grow the economy, which has been tried and failed so many times. I mean, there's no evidence of it working anywhere in the world. So we're in a kind of crazy place. 
But no, I don't think Johnson was good for the environment. I think he, he just said the right things and Liz Truss doesn't bother doing that actually. But when the Tories did in that mini budget, they had so many bad things in it. There was one one amazing thing, which was the unbanning of, of onshore wind. And it's only amazing because the Tories banned it themselves, but it wasn't just unbanned. They say they're going to put it on a level playing field with infrastructure, other infrastructure and planning terms. And if they do that, onshore wind will take off. This is a crazy thing about onshore wind. It needs no public money. Uh, mm-hmm. Same for solar. We can just build it at no cost to the public. We can make energy for one-tenth of what it costs today, but we aren't doing it. Well, but maybe we will. I don't know. We've not seen a delivery of that unbanning yet, although we have seen the first license issued for fracking. So there's contrast mm-hmm. there as well. Yeah. And whether or not she can get that past some of her MPs who don't want the landscape in their constituencies affected by onshore wind farms is another question. Mm. Probably another episode of this podcast. Well, I was going to say, I don't think it requires a new law. I don't think her MPs are going to have to vote on it. Yeah. Well, we'll keep an eye on it for sure. Um, And you mentioned the cost of people's bills over winter. Um, I mean, yes, we've had this intervention on the price, but but still the average household bill is going to double on what it was last winter. And now Mm. we hear... They could be facing energy blackouts as well. The national grid has warned of rolling blackouts if we don't import enough energy from Europe this winter. And that could mean millions of households having their electricity cut off for three hours at a time. I mean, is this something that you have been predicting and why why would this happen? Well, (laughs) national grid haven't really announced it as a warning. They've done some scenario planning, which is their job. And in their base case, we have 20 gigawatts of excess capacity, which is an awful lot. And in the worst case, we're two gigawatts short. And in that case, they're saying we'll have to have some planned blackouts of three hours at a time in different parts of the country. And their aim is to reduce our energy consumption by 5%, which I find highly ironic because our government, this new government, and, and Johnson's previous administration have said that energy efficiency is a private choice, right? So we don't have a national campaign like they do in Europe to encourage people to save energy, to show them how to save energy. And instead, we're going to have blackouts to make them save energy, which I I find uh, hilarious. But it's an extreme scenario that National Grid have come up with, and the chances of it happening are fairly small. Hi, it's Anoush here. This is just a reminder that as a podcast listener, you have the option of subscribing to the New Statesman with a very special offer. You can subscribe for just a pound a week. That's 12 weeks for £12. If you go to newstatesman.com forward slash podcast offer. We'll be right back. From the New Statesman comes a new podcast, Audio Long Reads. The best of our reported features and essays, read aloud. Featuring writing from our authors, including Edward Docks on the death of Boris the Clown. When did the booing start? He was never exactly sure. A year inside GB News with Stuart McGurk. One presenter told me that producers had taken to booking their own parents. May Robson on why women's football is the more beautiful game. Like most of the England squad, the Euro 2022 captain, Leah Williamson, can't afford not to have a plan B. Ease into the weekend with our audio long reads published every Saturday morning. Just search audio long reads from the New Statesman wherever you get your podcasts. (laughs) 
Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. In the Tory leadership campaign in August, you may have noticed that Liz Truss outright ruled out energy rationing this winter. And I heard from some officials working on our energy security that they were shocked by this because they've been preparing for an incredibly tough winter. I mean, how do you feel about her ruling it out in terms of the reality of the situation that we might face? But she ruled out what she called handouts as well, didn't she? Which is intervention in energy bills. <laughs> and, and that lasted, what, 48 hours or something? So uh, I'm not sure it matters what she says. Actually, I don't set any store by, by what she says or any Tory government right now, in fact. Right. But it is an extreme scenario. So it's, it's about having a very cold spell in the winter. It's about there being disruption to Europe's gas supplies uh, and basically a combination of bad things that could cause this problem. Listen, I don't think it will kill us if it happens. I think it will help educate us as to the importance of energy, which we've taken for granted for too long. And just maybe we'll get a government that says maybe energy efficiency isn't a personal choice, actually. Maybe it's Mm. a national kind of imperative. And maybe we'll have a campaign to show people how to save energy because there's some brilliant, simple, free things that people can do. And, and, you know, Europe is pursuing a 15% cut in energy consumption, and they think they're going to hit it as well. Why can't we do that? Right. Yeah, because I mean, it's interesting that you mentioned that because we've just had the news um, on the morning that we're recording. Um, I know listeners will be getting this episode a, list- a few days after we're recording that Liz Truss rejected plans for a public information campaign to encourage people to save energy like the ones that you've mentioned they've been coming out with in Europe. How mm. do you feel about that news? It's obviously part of her sort of libertarian view of the country where she doesn't want to mm. be telling people how to live their lives. And actually, to be fair, sometimes when ministers come out with advice on how to sort of save on your household budgets and do food shops and things, it does go down very badly and sounds quite patronising. <laughs> but they do it badly, don't they? <laughs> when that's happened, they've done it badly. And what did Johnson say? Buy yourself a new kettle and save five pounds a year. I mean, I think he was, <laughs> he was having a laugh. He, he, didn't, he didn't mean that. But look, yeah, it can go wrong if it's done wrong. But simply giving people the information that so many people want, millions of people want it. We hear about it all of the time. Where can I go for impartial reliable energy efficiency advice you know who who can i turn to to tell me what it is i can do to get my energy bill down people want it and i think this whole libertarian small state it's a personal choice how much energy you consume is is nonsense because right now we're facing blackouts right is that the personal choice that we're actually taking right now as a country i think it's an abdication in fact of government responsibility not to have an energy saving program advice program even in the middle of the biggest energy crisis that we've ever had Yeah. And so what do you tell your customers or the people you hear from who are asking, you know, desperately how they can save? Well, we have uh, we have energy efficiency advice on our website, as most energy companies do, actually. The thing Mm. that I bumped into recently myself, which I think is is wonderful, and I was alluding to earlier when I said it's simple, cheap and, and, and really effective, is to turn down the flow temperature on your gas boiler. Apparently, they all have a control that does this. And what that means is the, the temperature of the hot water that goes to the tap for mixing with cold water to turn into the temperature that you want, that gets turned down so that you need less mixing. And you can save 10% off your gas bill by just turning down this flow temperature. That's the kind of information that government should share. 
Right, that's interesting. And and in general, what are you hearing from your customers? How are they feeling about the upcoming winter? Last winter was hard enough. Mm. Well, I think it's mad, isn't it? As you say, we'll, we'll have energy bills that have doubled since last year, but they would have trebled had it not been for government intervention. Every time we write to our customers when there's a new price rise, I say the same thing to them because we're more expensive than a, a brown or conventional supplier. By yeah. now, it's 300 pounds a year, so you know, about, uh, just over 10%. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I said the same thing to them that if you're going to struggle to pay your bills, uh, please leave because I don't want that. And actually, mm-hmm. you can just come back when things are more normal. And every time that happens, I get letters and emails from customers saying, we aren't going anywhere, <laughs> uh, which is really quite lovely. We, we have an amazingly loyal group of customers. I, I met one outside the Tory conference, funnily enough. She just called out to me and then told them she'd been with, with us for nearly 20 years, loved our communications and was just staying with us like, you know, come what may. So we have an, uh, an awesome group of customers that are here for the mission. The thing that we do that is different is we have a model we call bills into mills, and we turn our customers' energy bills into windmills, sunmills, and now mm-hmm. gas mills, because we've started making gas from grass, which is a new frontier for Britain. Oh, wow. Explain a bit about how that works. I haven't heard of that. <laughs> we've created a new process and a new way of making gas. So at the moment, and where to start on this? I mean, the government have a plan. That, that says to decarbonize home heating, we need to all switch to heat pumps. It's not really a plan. It's not been costed or funded. It's a bonkers idea. It'll cost something like 300 billion pounds to do, and everybody's energy bill will be nearly 50% higher every year as a result of that. It's, it's got all kinds of problems. What we're saying is we don't have to throw away the gas grid and, and tens of millions of gas appliances. We just have to change the gas that's in the grid, replace the fossil gas with green gas in the same way that we do with electricity. And we found a new way to make it, which is using grass. And we published a study that shows there's enough grass in our country to make all of the gas we need, not just for our homes, but for our businesses too. So we can be energy independent in gas and in electricity using the wind, the sun and grass. Wow. I suppose that's the benefit of being a green and pleasant land. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Until the climate crisis comes along. Yes, course, exactly. And, you know, when it will be straw. <laughs> that's right. Okay, and I don't want you to speak speak on behalf of others, but I do wonder because you know your your energy company is quite different from other suppliers. But I do wonder whether you speak to the other mm. heads of these companies and they share similar frustrations to those that you do and that you've spoken about here on this podcast. Yeah, our chief exec attends industry meetings with other heads of energy companies, and there's no doubt that we share the same frustrations with what the government are doing. No mm-hmm. doubt about that. What the government have done in the energy market is, is just been incredible. I mean, they've, they've destroyed it. It's not a market anymore, which from a libertarian kind of party is, is, is a bit strange. You know, from the party of free markets, we have an energy market now that's state-controlled. It was decimated last winter by the bankruptcy of half the players in the market, which was caused mm-hmm. by government policy. And, mm-hmm. and now we're getting massive state intervention to uh, try and keep people's bills down to an affordable level. We've got two price caps, one from Ofgem and one from the government. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's all kinds of complex and crazy. And what we don't have is proper action to make our own energy here. It's so much cheaper. Once we've spent that money, we spent it once and the job is done. The wind and the sun are free. Uh, the grass isn't free. It costs a little bit to grow and mow it and that kind of stuff. But once we've built the infrastructure, we can power ourselves forever from cheap renewable energy. That's not happening. Say someone from the government happens to be listening to this podcast. We know we have a few Tory listeners. What would you say in the short term should they do? Should they change about their policy? Should they introduce just to help people in the in the very short term? I would say the maddest thing about our situation right now is that the business case 
for the pivot urgently to renewable energy has never been stronger. It's unarguable. By far the cheapest thing we can do now is build renewable energy, not suppress bills, not frack or drill the North Sea. None of that makes will make any difference. It will all take too long anyway. The business case is unarguable. Right now, today, all of the electricity we use in our country in a year is costing us £150 billion. If we invested that £45 billion to get to 100%, that electricity would cost us fifteen billion pounds, one tenth. That's a massive economic boost to our economy. Imagine our businesses being able to have energy bills so low, as well as homes. I mean, mm. it'd be a great permanent thing to do for our economy. So the business case, I would say to any Tory listeners, is incredible. What are you doing? You're the party of business. Why aren't you pursuing this? And just last year, you said at the beginning of your answer there not to suppress bills, but I think. What your issue is with the energy price intervention is that it's not targeted. So I wonder how you would better structure that to make sure that the people who need it get the help, but there's not so much money spent on other households. Yeah. So I believe we needed intervention this winter. We called for it a lot because mm. there were so many people that couldn't afford bills. And the changes that we need to make will take a little bit of time. So we put out a three-point plan. First was to fund the gap between bills as they were and bills as they were going to be. That's been done. It should have been targeted to the people that really needed. As you said, that would have cost half as much. And it should have been funded from a windfall uh, tax on oil and gas companies because on the same day that the intervention in bills was announced, the Treasury said these people will make $170 billion in excess profits during the course of this crisis. And you can see that the cost of intervention and the windfall profits are roughly equal. And that's because mm-hmm. you know one is driven by the other. The yeah. second thing we said is price cap North Sea gas because we're paying 10 times more for it than we did last year. And we don't need to. It creates windfall profits. And we could take away half of the problem if we did that. That would take a few months to do, which is why we said in the meantime, fund the gap. And then the third thing is break the link because we allow the price of gas-fired electricity, which provides 40% of our electricity, we allow, we allow the new high price of that to pull up the price of nuclear, uh, renewables, and even coal, which is making a comeback. And there's no reason for that. It's just a crazy market. So you know, fund the gap, impose a cap, and break the link. Three things that could drive energy bills back to October last year. And and when I talk about suppressing energy bills, what I mean is it's just a short-term thing that, yeah. uh, that tackles the symptom, but not the cause. We should be tackling the cause as soon as possible. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for talking us through all that, Dale. It was lovely to have you on. And hopefully we'll speak to you again in future. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, anytime. My pleasure. Thank you. You've been listening to the New Statesman podcast with me, Anusha Kellyan, and my guest, Dale Vince. We're produced by May Robson and our music is Devil with the Devil, licensed under Creative Commons. Thanks so much for listening and don't forget to leave us a nice review and subscribe. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Trust in politics is broken. So can we get UK politics working again? That was the last time we were happy. 2012. I'm Beth Rigby, Sky's political editor. Join me every week with Labour's Jess Phillips and Conservative peer Ruth Davidson 
for some electoral dysfunction. This idea of nuance has completely left politics. Together, we'll focus on the policies that could deliver political satisfaction. Follow electoral dysfunction wherever you get your podcasts.